0: Welcome to A Pair of Bookends, the book club you can carry anywhere. We are
1: your hosts and hopefully your new bookish pals. I'm Hannah MacDonald. And I'm Lydia Clare. Welcome back, Bookends, to our debut spotlight series where we shine a light on the freshest authors and their work. Today, the spotlight shines on the hilarious and brilliant debut novel, Sad Girl Novel. We meet Kim, an Australian expat, as she tries her very best to not become the centre of a sad girl novel. Pip Finkemeyer
0: is a writer based in Narm, Melbourne. Her fiction has been listed for the Desperate Literature Short Fiction Prize, the Raquel Prize for Emerging Writers, the Disquiet Literary Prize and was nominated for a Pushcart Prize. Pip co-founded the Berlin-based sign Nothing to See Here and completed a Master's in Publishing and Editing at Armit. Her first novel, Sad Girl Novel, is out now and published by Ultimo Press in Australia and New Zealand and by Hatcher in the UK and US. And we're delighted to have Pip with us today. So Pip, welcome to A Pair of Bookends.
2: Thank you. I'm so thrilled to be here.
1: Thank you. We're so thrilled to have you. And can I just do as a disclaimer to anyone listening, all our bookends, we have devoured this book. We have absolutely devoured it. Me and Hannah were both up reading this novel last night and honestly could not put it down. So we cannot recommend this one enough. And it is going to be responsible for many a late night. So, yeah, yeah. Right. Just a warning like, if you're going to pick it up, just make sure that you're somewhere comfy because you're then not going to be able to put it down until you finish. (laughs) I can, I can. testament to that we always love to start our podcast by asking my favorite question which is what are you currently reading
2: yeah, um, well, I'm reading a book called Body Friend. Well, that's the book I'm reading for fun. I'm reading a lot of stuff for research during the day for my second novel, but it's very dry. I don't think I'll spare everybody those recommendations. <laughs> but for yeah, for pleasure, I'm reading this book called Body Friend, which is by Catherine Brabon. She's a fellow Melbourne writer. Um, so it just came out here. It's coming out in the UK in a couple of months, and it's about a lot of my favorite things. It's about this woman who is recovering from surgery that's not one of my favorite things but she's going to the <laughs> she's going to the pool to recover and she meets she meets this other woman at the pool who's like eerily similar to her and they strike up this friendship so it's about female friendships it's about swimming at the pool and it's sort of about writing the body which is something that's really difficult to do um and she does it really well and it's just like a pleasure to read such beautiful sentences I think the prose is sort of like swimming kind of glides along and cuts through I love it
1: oh well that's getting added to my list (laughs) no don't because it
0: really bothers me I've I made the I made the error early on of following too many book bloggers that are based in in like Australia or New Zealand and they post a lot of these amazing books and and then I go to search them and then I can't get them here so I'm always like like there's so many, there's such, I've got a list of books that haven't yet come out here that I'm like waiting for. And I yeah. also, I listened to the podcast. Um, I don't know if you've listened to it. It's called Shameless. They, they're amazing. It's such a great podcast, but they're based in Australia as well. And they reference these Australian based authors and these books that sound great. And then I'm like, I can't get them. And it really frustrates
2: me. <laughs> Yeah, the publishing world is so interesting. Like that, like it's still we still have to wait for things depending on which territory we're in, which is mm-hmm. I don't think somebody have to do much for for TV and film anymore. Mm-hmm. But I did go online and check that it was coming out in the UK before I recommended it. Amazing!
1: I, I did- <laughs> oh, she's <shut laughs> on
2: it.
0: <laughs> but there's is it diana reed that is quite big in in australia and i was waiting ages for her for her book to come out here because it was so big there and um her book only came out last year and then we just got her second novel as well i think so it? yeah we need more for any publishing people listening like it was
2: more australian yeah. authors Please. <laughs> yeah i love Diana's books as well and my book in the UK version has a giant Diana Reid quote on the back. Yeah, well. I saw that. <laughs> well, a for I party. mean, can,
1: can I just say that Diana Reed has called this novel a stroke of genius, so high praise indeed. <laughs> yeah. I'd be very proud of that.
2: <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah, that's crazy, especially because um, I think the central question of for Kim for the whole novel is like, am I a genius or am I delusional? So it's nice that to get that from Diana. I'm sure Kim would feel very very validated.
0: Well, absolutely. <laughs> now, before we get into the book, I want to ask you a question that we ask all of debut authors in this series, and that is to get more on what your experience has been like in having your debut novel published. So could you tell us more about that?
2: Yeah, sure. I've had, I mean, I've had a pretty dream run with us, not to say that it's all been easy, but I... Yeah, I wrote this over from 2019 till about for about 3 years and then basically as soon as I finished it I reached out to an agent that I had been in touch with already and signed with her and then we went out on submission in in Australia, New Zealand, and the US and the UK roughly the same time and ended up getting a deal pretty quickly. So <laughs> Yeah, some of my friends who were on submission a lot longer, they kind of if I, they kind of just tell me to like just shut up whenever I complain about anything because I need to wait like a <laughs> week. And I think it because you, know, you can be waiting a really long time and just obviously have inboxes full of amazing manuscripts to read. So that was really good. And then so I published with Ultimo Press in Australia and New Zealand uh, and that happened first. And it's been a pretty dream run. They're kind of a new publisher, so... Yeah, they have a really good list. Diana Reads is on the list and Bodyfriend, the other book I was talking about. And like, honestly, the thing I was most nervous about was seeing the cover, but I really love the cover. And yeah, it was was weird like knowing a year in advance or more like that I, I kind of had a year to get used to it. But then all my friends and family, like they had to wait. Yeah.
1: Did you have much, sorry Hannah, did you have much input into like the cover design or anything like that or were you just like you
2: had to just cross your fingers and hope it was going to be brilliant which it is? I, I didn't actually but I kind of trust, I think that's one thing I've learned from the publishing process is that I've, this is the first time I've done it with the people I'm working with do it again and again and again. So I trust them. It's the same in the editorial process. Like I'm not very, um, look, I I have a good sense of when to push back when I want to keep something, but if someone makes a suggestion, I'm usually pretty open-minded to it. And it was the same with the cover, and I think it worked out amazingly. It's interesting that the UK market is different from the Australian market, so that's why I have two different covers, but I love both of them. They're like my children. I couldn't pick a favourite. Yeah. (laughs) What is the Australian cover like? I could show you, but it's referencing the train thing a lot more because originally this book I had titled it Departure because there's a lot of train references in there. So one of the first things I knew about it was that it was going to be based on three incidents that the character has with strangers on um, a train in Berlin, so either the S-Bahn or the U-Bahn. And a lot of it is about train travel and stuff, and that's just because I'm really into trains. Um, So there's a set of train drawers on there and there's also like a statue instead of a girl which i think is referencing the sad girl thing as well love that i always
1: (laughs) i'm immediately like i'm gonna google it
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's interesting learning about the cover the cover process and i think it's different for everybody some people do get a say and then if you're like an established name i think you can have more of a paired back like arty cover but if nobody knows who you are then Your cover really has to like tell more of a story of what's inside the book. But it is a fantastic cover
1: and I love it so much. Now, moving on to the book itself, which I'm desperate to talk to you about. The first thing that I really want to talk to you about is Kim, who is the main character in this book. And there is a wonderful kind of irreverence about her. And she has this brilliant personality that's full of contradictions. Like, literally, she can contradict herself in the space of a sentence. It's so fantastic. Um, I just love her energy. What was it like to build her character? And and why did you choose certain attributes for her?
2: Yeah, I think Kim, she has definitely has very black and white thinking. Um, she either thinks she's going to be like extremely successful or a complete failure, and those are her two options. And she's constantly like ping ponging between the two. I think that's sort of. I wanted to include that because that's how a lot of people think when they're young that it's either going to be the best or the worst. And and the answer is it's probably going to be somewhere in the middle. <laughs> So I wanted Kim to be and her sense of humor, I think, is reflective of basically the fact that I was consuming a lot of Twitter in the time that I was writing the book. And there's a certain sense of humor on there. But I think it's interesting because when you're consuming jokes online, whether it's like a meme or a tweet or whatever, the context lets you know that it's a joke. But when you take something of that tone and then put it in between some literary prose, I think it's a bit unclear which parts of jokes and, and so it's been surprising to me that people have taken some things at face value, which I really always intended to be as a joke. But I really like that that's happened as well. But for Kim's character, like in the beginning, I did base her on like making fun of myself. So she's like a version of me, a younger, sillier version. Sort of took on her own life and she went in another direction and became her own person, which made her more interesting for me to write as well. She is such an interesting
0: character, isn't she? She's great. She's absolutely great. And there were so many moments in the book that I was just like laughing out loud and my boyfriend was like, What are you laughing at? Like <laughs> And there's so many so many pages that I folded down and Lydia's gonna hate this, but I I like do little <laughs> do little quote, little bits, you know. I didn't underline anything. I just, you know, like to mark the little bits that I like.
1: I Buy like yourself like that. some tabs. Buy I don't yourself. Like tabs. tabs. I don't In like people. them. No no tarnish. You don't need to be tarnishing nothing. I'm not tarnishing
0: them. It's just like a little <clears throat> marker around the sentences. I think are you offended by that,
2: um, that I did that to your book? No, I actually love it. I've and it's an idea that I just seeing people on Instagram like tag me that they've underlined and like scribbled, dare I say scribbled in the book. It gave me an idea to start doing it myself because I I recently reread a book that I read when I was in uni and I had like underlined it and written little notes. And it was so cute to reread it and I see what I liked. That. Yeah. And it was all about writing a novel. And I was like, Oh, this kind yeah. of went in my novel like ten years later. But I think it's cool. I'm I've started putting a little pencil in my novel when I read now. So I can feel Us. like I'm I I'm working if I have a pencil in my
1: head
0: <laughs> when I'm reading nice. I yeah. Um. Well, because I was speaking about folding down pages and underlining little bits, I have actually got a quote that I want to share with the listeners. Are you okay with me reading out parts of your book back to you? Yeah. <laughs> so this is a part that I really loved, which explores the differences in gender when it comes to confidence in your creativity so i'm just going to go ahead and read it women lacked confidence in a way that was deeply familiar to me it was me it was my essence how i'd been taught to think too you probably don't deserve anything you want then there were the boys who thought they deserved to write a novel boys with the unearned confidence of kings Boys who read exactly one book, such as Sapiens or Moneyball, then decided that qualified them to write a memoir about losing their virginity in college or something. And I could go on because there's more to that, but I just loved that bit so much. And I thought it it, it was so interesting and it brought up so many questions for me on like who gets to tell their stories and all that kind of stuff. But I think it's so fascinating the differences between men and women in like their confidence in their creativity and in sort of creating art and producing their art. And I wanted to ask you, as you wrote this, obviously, why do you think there is such a difference in the way women perceive themselves as creatives
2: or as as artists? I don't... Yeah, I wish I knew why. But I think it's just yeah, it was amazing to sort of go to open mic nights and nights where people were reading. And I had so many female friends that would come along and sort of study what was being read and go home and work on their stories and not even apply and be like, even though they were writing at a pretty high level, they just didn't think they were there yet. And then at the same events, I would meet men that just like had never been before or never tried to write anything before, but just like got up and read. The The thing about the the guy who wrote a story about losing his virginity that happened. <laughs> and and he, he went straight into like asking me for advice and, you know, where could he publish it and all the stuff. Like, not one single piece of positive feedback just kind of felt like it needed to be in the world. And, um, which is kind of cool for him, I guess. But I think it's just really evident that I think women feel like, they need to work a little bit harder in order to be taken seriously, which is not the way it should be, but it's the way it is. Mm-hmm. I saw a tweet the other day about, there was this really prestigious residency announced here and I think 33 of the 35 spots went to women and two went to men. And someone was asking why that was. And because when it comes to the manuscripts submitted to publishers, this slit is still 50 50. So it's just that in terms of seeking out opportunities to get better and to work with people who can mentor you, women seek out those opportunities a lot more, but in terms of having a manuscript that they think is publishable, it's still split evenly. So I don't know the answer to just sort of encouraging women just to go for it and skip all those steps ahead of like thinking you have to do due diligence and sort of like, pay your dues before you're successful. You really don't. You can just sort of do whatever you want and like skip straight to the front of the queue if you want (laughs)
1: love
2: that (laughs) I
0: hope that inspires many a woman to go ahead and do exactly that Um,
1: absolutely
0: yeah I I love that and I find it so funny that because that was going to be my next question was about a guy in the book and she's talking about you know being asked for
2: advice and stuff like that and I wanted to ask if that actually happened to you so that's (laughs) brilliant that actually did (laughs) That happened and then something happened to a friend of mine. Like a lot of it is like amalgamated stories that happened to friends of mine. But basically the guy she was seeing said he was taking time off to like work on a novel. And then when he, he showed her the novel, it was just like he'd copy and pasted a bunch of like stories from Reddit. And <laughs> this is my this is my draft. These are my inspiration. So yeah. No bars. Uh, yeah. But also, like, I do meet a lot of people since I'm publishing the book. I've met a lot of people who are sort of working on their first book or short stories or whatever. And they're always asking, like, in the, in the most nice, like, genuine way for advice. And I don't think, I think you really just need to figure out how to trick yourself into having the confidence to do it, which is sort of a central theme of the book, as well as like writing is a confidence trick. and And it's all about figuring out how to just tell yourself whatever you need to tell yourself in order to think that you're good enough. And delusion is a great delusion is your best friend sometimes <laughs> within reason. Yeah. It's nobody else, especially with writing it's such a solitary individual pursuit, no one else can really come come along and be like, you know, you need to do this. You should keep going. You should write a novel. I think you, it needs to come from within, but it's not like it's the, it, there's some switch you can flip to actually give you that feeling, mm-hmm. which is yeah. good. Yeah. struggling with for like the entire novel
1: I think as me and Hannah are both actors and when you talk about kind of like self-delusion like we we practice that daily like because you have to walk into a room knowing that you're going to get the part or knowing that you're the best person for it and it's like 99.9% of the time not true <laughs> you know because it's just not going to happen but it but you cannot go in with any of the any doubt because you're not gonna be able to sell yourself the same way. And I think that, you know, that is something that I find really interesting is that a a lot of people don't know how to do that but obviously me and Hannah have been trained to do that but I think it's a really good asset to have sometimes is to be able to tell yourself like I'm I'm absolutely fine I'm gonna do really well here and having that kind of even though it's not real and it is a bit of a facade you know having that kind of self-awareness of being like okay well I'm fine and it's gonna be fine it it really does work like I cannot I cannot recommend it enough to people like you know sometimes you have to be a bit delusional
2: <laughs> yeah I think it's really effective and I think maybe something like acting would be harder because you're all constantly brushing up with like someone else's reality so you need to you can be delusional to to a certain point and then you need someone to like affirm that or mm. but with writing it's like you can be delusional for like three years by yourself <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> and then you only find out at the end whether it's good or not um <laughs> A real test of how how talented your imagination is,
1: yeah, 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 absolutely. It, it's and it, I mean, thank goodness that you have the confidence to write this novel because it is a brilliant, brilliant book. And one of my favourite characters, or I should say, relationships in in the book was between Kim and her therapist, Demi, <laughs> and the the conversations they have are Gina, it's, it's just so brilliant. And uh, there is a little quote about her name that actually made me laugh so loud. I'll just quickly uh, read it to you. So she's te- telling us about, about her therapist, Debbie. I nicknamed her Debbie because she reminded me of a German version of a modern day Debbie Harry and also because Deborah was her actual name. <laughs> and I was just like, fantastic of course you did of course you did and honestly I don't know why again Hannah knows this but our bookends listening will know this there's always one line in a book that will get me and that got me and I was like this is it this is it now this is too funny but I'd say their relationship is really key to to Kim's kind of self-awareness and her self-analysis in a way what was it like creating their dynamic and figuring out what their relationship was going to be like
2: uh, I think it was pretty- fun like that line that you read out it was kind of like me being lazy because I wanted people to think of Debbie as Debbie Harry so I was like well she's kind of like Debbie Harry and I'll call (laughs) it I love it I love it it was fun it was like I mean it was fun writing about people in therapy in Berlin because everybody that I knew there was in therapy and it's also free because of um the compulsory health insurance that you need for your visa so and and there's a lot of terrible therapists around a lot of good ones but a lot of terrible ones so there's and it's very cultural therapy so I think people underestimated like going coming from America England or Australia and then being in therapy with a German woman who kind of (laughs) like tells you how it is there's a lot of like funny mishaps and so I had a lot of material and stories to go off for Debbie and um, I just also really loved her like but she was she's sort of like a maternal figure, but that mixed with like a typical sort of like older East German woman who, you know, is you wouldn't want to get in an argument with sort of like the ladies that worked at the supermarkets in Berlin who scared the crap out of me. And I, <laughs> I've always been nervous that I wasn't like bagging my items up fast enough. <laughs> but also having a therapist is a really good way to um, have your character speak they speak about their internal world, but not in their inner monologue. They still say things that are very private, and um, I think a lot of good books and films feature a therapist for that reason, because you can't really have conversations like that with your friends unless you're like this really like self-aware, um, in touch with your feelings person. And I think, yeah, a lot of our friendships. We're not being completely honest with ourselves or with each other. We're kind of portraying a version of ourselves that we want to be in the presence of that person, particularly with Kim and Belle. So having those scenes with Kim and Debbie, I could get to some like really vulnerable parts of Kim that she would never have shown to other people. And plus I just loved playing on like the cultural differences between the two approaches, like the German directness and the, Australian irreverence is what I'll call it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> is Berlin somewhere that you've also lived?
2: Yeah, I lived there for five years. I left in 2020. So I moved there sort of with the idea of writing more because I had never really been able to find the time. I worked around books. So as a bookseller, and I worked in publishing and studied publishing and then moved to Berlin where I couldn't do any of that (laughs) because of language um so and then sort of started again in Berlin and worked part-time and but I thought it would be a really good place to start to write because it's a cheap place to live and there's a lot of creatives there and it turned out to be pretty true it was like really easy to fall into a group of writers and and I don't think I would have been able to write a novel if I wasn't friends with other people who were going through similar things and didn't have people to show my excerpts to and the encouragement of Mm -hmm. of them, and I still sort of remember the first chapter of the book is basically what I submitted to class the first time I'd ever written any of the novel and I still remember like people's feedback to certain characters I remember the German guy in class telling me that no German woman would ever be called Debbie and I should change (laughs) her name (laughs) and I was like no she's Debbie Uh, (laughs) yeah So, yeah, it was a really good place to like learn how to be a writer. And also, I think when you're in your 20s, you do have a lot of sort of fears hanging off you about whether you're any good or, yeah, like what would you even write about if you wanted to be a writer and and moving to another country and just implanting yourself in a different place is a really good way to like shake all of that off. And now I've come home and I feel like a different person. Yeah, I came home in about 2020. So I started writing this book when I lived there. And then kept going after I moved back to Melbourne. But we were, like, in lockdown. And so it was a really nice way, like, transcribing all the details of my old life there was a really nice way to, like, process leaving and mm. to make sure that little details would, wouldn't, like, just fall out of my memory. And also I really miss my friends. So a lot of the female characters in this book, like, there's, like, brushstrokes of different friends in different moments. So it was, like, kind of a lovely experience to write it. Yeah I can
0: imagine and you definitely got a sense of your love for that place which is why I was so curious if you'd lived there yourself I don't know if you just like visited or something but um, it certainly came through and I always love when a setting is like really well written and obviously you wrote in the book about uh, New York and about Berlin and my brain has just glitched. Mar- uh, because I yeah I Mar- Mar- something. <laughs> Mar- <laughs> Yeah, Maritimes, that was the one. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And you write about place so well, and but especially, but then you know, you wrote all these cultural references as you, you know, mentioned. But yeah, we we loved the character of Debbie. She was so great, and and I think it's so fascinating, you know, looking at the way different places respond to things like therapy, because I think it is such a cultural thing. You know, some places would be like don't be ridiculous, like, why have you got a therapist, kind of a reaction to it, whereas, you know, other cultures will really embrace it, and I always think that's so interesting. I wanted to ask, you just mentioned friends, and I loved the way you wrote about female friendship in the book, and I loved Kim's best friend, Belle, and... I, I just loved the dynamic between them because it always felt like one of them was anchoring the other and it was it was so brilliantly written and and yet so funny and, and moving and there was like a real warmth to it as well and it, it reminded me of a lot of of my female friendships so I wanted to ask you
2: you know what what inspired their their dynamic yeah it's sort of what you're saying with the cultural differences I think that was one of the inspirations is that because uh, Belle's German and Turkish and Kim is Australian and sort of the different ways they speak to each other, I found really interesting. Like I had so many funny interactions with German women who were just so direct and confident. And and I also, I mean, I'm going off on a bit of a tangent here. I'll get back to the question. We've we um, a
1: tangent, we've told yeah.
2: you. <laughs> but like I... um. I did notice that women get treated differently in Germany than in Australia. Like at work, I was allowed to finish my sentences. And, you know, I felt like people listened to me more. And I also felt like maybe women were more assertive in general, which is weird. I never would have thought that that was a problem here until I went somewhere else. But so that's why Debbie is such a strong character, because it was just something I was observing but at the same time she really reminds me of like all the women in my family as well um, who are just like of a certain age and just don't give a crap about anything anymore, Um, which is like very aspirational, I think. Um, But then when it comes to like Kim and Belle, I found that it was weird. There's so many books about female friendship, but I had never seen one portrayed that rang true to what my friendships were like. So I just wanted to capture the sort of back and forth and, um that type of friendship when you're so comfortable with someone that you're not keeping up graces or airs anymore you can be completely petty and then you can like discuss your pettiness and laugh about it and I think a lot of good fiction is also about two people who are who are making up for what the other lacks and and they can't even see it about themselves and maybe that's because when a writer writes characters they're like splitting themselves into two, and it and both characters are like two halves of the the person that created them. And I sort of feel that way about these characters. Like, I'm everyone assumes that I'm Kim, but I actually think I sort of have more of the like boring pragmatic side of <laughs> Bell sometimes. But it definitely was Bell was like sort of my ode to a few of my friends from Berlin that I had to leave behind who sound like they passed away I still talk to them <laughs> and, say, <laughs> and I still go visit them but um, yeah I just thought it was a very special thing our friendships and I, I think that there's still this idea that when you move overseas like the best thing that can happen is some big romance like you'll fall in love and obviously that's really nice that that happens too but I think what's more realistic is that you kind of have all these platonic loves then you meet all these amazing friends and um it's just its sh- it should be obvious but it's not that obvious that like obviously the love of your life is probably gonna be one of your friends <laughs> in the long term maybe yeah yeah I love that I uh, I love the
0: um and I always reference it the quote from Uh, Sex and the City but it's about like your your friends being your soulmates and guys are just the people that you have fun with and (laughs) um, and I love that so much because I I think it's it's only something that I ever see in in female friendships you know that we have this sort of like love for each other that kind of goes beyond anything you know you never really see that with guys yeah they have like love for each other but there's always kind of a distance kept whereas I Mm -hmm. think like Women don't really like we kind of lack those boundaries with each other, but in like a positive way. It's a positive thing. It's a great thing, and it's a beautiful thing as well. And I think you know you articulated that so well. And I also just want to add in here, just because we're speaking about Belle, I loved uh, <laughs> oh, Baby. Baby was such a great little addition to the book, and yeah, I just thought it was so brilliant. And and how much um involvement that Kim had in in Belle's sort of like you know experience with motherhood and her experience with birth as well you know she was so involved in that and I think as well that's another thing that is so specific to like feel more friendships and that like you know we do get involved in the big things in each other's lives and I think there's real beauty in that so yeah I thought it was so beautiful the way you articulated that oh
2: thank you yeah baby originally I called Baby Baby because I thought Kim was so jealous of Baby taking Belle's attention that she wouldn't want to, like, engage too much or, like, call Baby by their name. But then I just thought the name Baby worked really well, especially because in German, Dust Baby, it's, like, it's the same as English. You just call a Baby Baby and it's a gender-neutral term. And I wanted, I wanted Baby to be a baby and be able to, like, choose her own gender as I grew up. But in terms of Kim being there for the birth, yeah, I was always looking for how Kim could be a good friend to Belle because Belle is such a good friend to Kim and she <laughs> Kim, doesn't really know how lucky she is until the end, I think. Mm-hmm. So I wanted it to be believable that, you know, both women had, they had their own little acts of creation going on at the same time, but they, they intersected and they both contributed to, to the other one, maybe in more ways than they knew originally.
1: I love it honestly and I think that a lot of the time it I mean you do a great job of of making it feel so genuine their relationship is so genuine and I think it's really hard because I don't know what it is but I can spot a fake friendship from a mile away in a book you know and it's it just I know when something isn't coming across like it's real like it has it's like you know grounded in feeling Um, but with their relationship it so was it really was and again like you were saying it did it reminded me of of friendships in my life and it's you know it's just brilliant that that you've been able to capture that because it's not an easy thing to do at all I'm just like piling on the praise piling on the praise (laughs) (laughs) but I also love that sad girl novel It's it's sort of a a misnomer and I think that a lot of the time nowadays I think we are kind of saturated with in the publishing industry I'm a bookseller myself with kind of these typical types of women who are now you know it's that all about being you know sad miserable and you know, and angsty and, you know, celebrating that. And that's fantastic. But I do feel like we've got to a point where there are so, there's so much about that, that people are forgetting about the authenticity of women and where they can be sad and they can, you know, indulge themselves in that way. But there's also so much more to it. And you capture that really well with this book, because, you know, it is funny, it is self-aware. And I think that it's such an interesting trend at the moment Um why do you think that sad girl novels as we call them are are particularly popular at
2: the moment? Yeah it's so interesting to think about because um, my relationship to, to sad girl novels has really changed since I wrote a book called sad girl novels <laughs> like I've so before, when I first heard the term I think it was probably 2018 to 2019 which is when this book is set and I just sort of didn't think about it that deeply. I thought it was funny and that it was useful for me because it helped me find more of what I like. And I think that that's the best role that genre can play is that it just, just connects people, the right readers with the right books. And, you know, at its simplest, that's what it's supposed to do. But then, yeah, obviously I've been thinking and writing and talking about the genre a lot. And there is, yeah, to me it's just hard to separate sort of draw a clear line around which books are sad girl novels I mean I know I could I could have a go at it but every book is sort of about sadness or some sort of offshoot of sadness like unease or disillusionment or malaise or whatever and I think the reason that they've exploded now is because there's been like a big cultural shift in like the foundations which has turned on some like faucet and allowed young women to write more and young women are writing about young women so therefore you get the girl part of the sad girl novel, <laughs> yeah. so it's it, for me it's like kind of hard because every novel does explore sadness otherwise it wouldn't be a very good novel <laughs> so you could go back to like <laughs> bell jar I mean people would call that a sad girl novel or like Anna, Anna Karenina uh like people, you could even call her a sad girl but I think yeah it's come to a point where I think when some people say sad, you know, well, they're talking about something that I don't think that it is, which is like someone who's like wallowing in despair, who's like, you know, sort of like emaciated and like given up. And I don't think that the protagonists need to be like that. I actually think the thing, if you were going to try and define it, it would probably be something to do with the sense of humor of the books, which is the opposite of sadness or well, humor and sadness are like connected in this inextricable, inextricable way? Wow. Tricky word. Yeah. Um- <laughs> I think the thing that helps you identify it is that they're actually darkly funny and uh, they're portraying characters that are far from perfect and not really being not constantly apologizing for the flaws of the character and I think that's a great thing and I also think we need to give readers some credit and realize they don't take things super literally like just because there's a super sad woman in the book. It's not like we're trying to push like some sad agenda. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's a character in a book and it's fun to look through, like experience shitty things via them because you don't actually have to deal with them. But yeah, I I think the the rise of an unlikable woman has a lot to do with it because nobody wants like a sanitized picture perfect character so I think that's probably a big part of it also I think the pandemic might have maybe made everybody tap into a certain melancholy or introspectiveness and maybe it was somehow therapeutic to read about women who are like laying around on the couch feeling sad when you're laying around on the couch feeling sad <laughs> uh, I don't know it could be that as well but I yeah have definitely felt differently about the the genre at different times mm-hmm. but same time like a lot of books that I loved 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 and like really identified with have people you could definitely call those sad girl novels so yeah.
0: I'm trying to think what the like OG uh, sad girl novel would be would it be like a Tessa My Year of Rest and
2: Relaxation would you say it's that i def- I definitely say that yeah I think <laughs> yes <laughs> and I loved that book but it doesn't mean yeah I don't think it's supposed to be taken literally <laughs> obvious <I> would- <laughs>
1: There is
0: is a part of myself that is always tempted to take myself off.
1: Just, yeah. (laughs) Take yourself away. (laughs) Into oblivion.
2: Yeah. Oh, it would be nice. Oh, yeah, it would be. (laughs) But, but like, books are all about fantasies, and I think sleeping for a year is the ultimate fantasy. Oh, the ultimate.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What I would do for a year of sleep.
1: (laughs) Uh, A year. I'd just have one night, please. <laughs> you were your two kids. Sorry, Lyd. Yeah, no, no, no. I know. I know. Honestly, might give them away. I don't Need sleep. For any <laughs> listeners, that is a fantasy of Lydia's. So he's misconstrued. Honestly, it, it really is.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah, I'm just going to apologise, Pip, because we do, you know, like to read author's books back to them it's a really bad habit that we've got but I also think it's a sign that you know your book has we resonated it. in so many ways and we love it and yeah this, this is what I meant by the way I don't know if you can see these little markers oh, yeah. here. like where so it's not quite underlining it because if I gave it to somebody else to read it, I didn't want them to be angry at me. But then I was like, I also want to highlight the bits that I love. Lydia, stop, please. No, I've um, said nothing, said nothing. Don't know what you're on about. I really wanted to read this out because I think it will resonate with with a lot of people and especially with any debut authors that are listening. And it's um, a quote about uh, rejection. And yeah, I have... A lot of thoughts on rejection, obviously, as we're actors. Um, there's a lot of feelings on that. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to read this. Writing is a life of rejection, he started. If you go ahead with trying, you need to know that and be okay with it. You need to make rejection your friend. Become accustomed to seeing its face at your writing desk, your dinner table. Anywhere or anytime you slow down for a minute to breathe, it will catch up with you you only succeed if you make it an intimate friend. If you raise a metaphorical glass to it and say, without you, there'd be no writing, no living. So welcome to my table, old friend. <laughs> and I thought that was such a beautiful way of looking at it. <laughs> because as you can probably see by our faces, we've experienced a fair amount of rejection with acting. And you know, as any creators will understand, like it's tough. It's, it's not an easy thing to to experience. And I'd love to know what your own experience with rejection has been like. Obviously, uh, we heard at the start you telling us about how smooth sailing your <laughs> experience has been like in having your debut published. But have you experienced rejection prior to that with, with any other parts of your writing life?
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, when I first started writing short stories and deciding to submit them to, like, small literary journals and stuff. Like, the majority of them don't get accepted. And um, if I looked at the stats, like, they would not be good. But I have to say I think the inverse of that is, like, everything that's ever been written getting published, which is not a good reality. Um, you know, like, there needs to be rejection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't want to go into a bookstore and, like, read everything that someone – Somewhere I thought it should be a book. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, unfortunately, like, the gatekeeping does serve a purpose. But the rejection doesn't stop even after you've had big success. I think that's another thing. It's not like you're getting rejected and rejected and rejected and then one day you get the yes and then from then on it's all yeses. Even with acting, I'm sure it's the same. Yeah. Um, So, like, I still... Like, if I go into a bookstore, I still, like, can't help but look over in the section under the S and be like, oh my do you know what I mean? <laughs> and usually they do, but, like, it's, you know, there's still failure after you publish. There could be. And basically it's just always going to be there. And I I think one way to deal with rejection would be to look at the person that actually got selected and realize and then read that story or... Um, I remember getting rejected to read at a night, like a literary night in Berlin that I thought was really cool. And they had like picked the theme. I suggested the theme based on a story that I wanted to read, which was like blood or something. (laughs) And then I had written a story about blood and then I didn't get picked. And I remember being really like irrationally annoyed about that or sad or whatever, and then I went along anyway, and I saw the people that they picked, and I was like, oh, well, like they're also talented. Their stories are great. Like it, when you can see like the flesh and blood of the person that got picked, you feel a bit less shitty about it, I think. Me. But also, yeah, I just think there is no life without rejection, so you just have to keep going. <laughs> yeah, which
1: <laughs> yeah. is you do, you
2: do. Yeah, but also- odd. Everybody- yeah, you might be grateful for it in the long run. I think I submitted stuff that I'm very glad is not out in the world because I don't, I look back on it now and I do not like it. So, <laughs> I, but yeah, with the novel, it's very ironic because I wrote about it thinking when I was writing it, I was doing it out of a compulsion to write it, just thinking I would get it out of the way and then I'd sort of go on to a different life because I don't know anyone that's novelist or like. Mm. I didn't think it was possible. Um so I was sort of preparing myself for the ultimate rejection at the end of writing the novel. And then that didn't happen. And then I had to deal with that new reality. Not that I want someone to feel sorry for me or whatever, but um I just wasn't prepared for success. Right and I think that someone something like an a, one of my friends' agents said to them was writers are only prepared for rejection and failure they they're never prepared for success they don't know what to do when it happens Mm.
1: (laughs) I can understand that absolutely yeah absolutely well we thank goodness that you were not rejected with this novel because it is incredible and we have devoured it um, and cannot recommend it enough to our bookends listening and we can't wait to see what you're gonna do next because we hear hints that there's going to
2: be some more from you soon soon maybe not soon but well yeah writing a new novel at the moment um but I would say that it's still at least a year away so we will wait patiently we'll be we'll literally be
1: waiting for a delivery in the bookstore we can't wait. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. But before we let you go, can we ask for some recommendations of things that you've loved recently? We tend to ask for, you know, if you've watched something great on telly, a really good song, or just something that you want us to know about.
2: Yeah, I've got so much to recommend. I'm re watching Breaking Bad at the moment. Yes. Classic. Yeah. <laughs> and so really cool. enjoying, like, the dynamic between Walter White and Jesse Pinkman, mm-hmm. I think that just went over my head the first time. So re, I'm really into rewatching at the moment. I'm also re-watching Girls, Leonard um, mm-hmm. Dunnett's oh. Girls. I've still and- not watched that. <gasps> what? No, I know. So I need good. to go to it. A- would love it. On my list. I bet, yeah. You. <laughs> good. I didn't realize it. Like, so much went over my head the first time I watched it, Um and yeah, it's sort of funny because now that I've gone through what I've gone through with the novel, I see how annoying it must be for Lena Dunham that everyone just thinks that she was like playing herself, and that yeah, she copped a lot of hate for for kind of making fun of herself for being so privileged. Um, her character like is annoying, but I think we need to like understand that she's talented enough to ro- she intentionally wrote an annoying character. She's yeah, not yeah, just an yeah. So it's funny looking back on how like little respect we had for like young female filmmakers yeah mm-hmm. but I'm I'm liking that and then I only murders in the building is my comfort watch oh, yeah I'll yeah yeah Steve Martin Martin Short, Short and Selena Gomez yeah it's like very comforting despite being about murder yeah I feel like
1: Mar- Martin Short is my spirit animal like if I was that to ever be a person I'd want to be him <laughs> You're funny! Everything he does cracks me up so much. It's his face. He does so much with his face. He doesn't even have to speak. It's just, he's just like a walking vessel of humor.
2: Yeah, he's so funny.
1: I I wanted to ask as well,
0: you know, just to make myself really frustrated. Um, are there any <laughs> Australian authors or books from <laughs> out of Australia that you want to recommend for people to look out for?
2: Um, well, the big one would be. Body Friend by Catherine Brebon. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I have my laptop on a stack of books. I'm just checking. (laughs) (laughs) I've just been to the launch of a book called The Modern by Anna Kate Blair. And I don't know why, but I have a feeling I'm going to love it. Um, And she was working at the Museum of Modern Art in New York. And then she wrote a story about a character who worked there. So that sounds really good. Hold on. I'm looking at my bookshelf. I mean, this so Helen Garner, I'm not sure if you've heard of Helen Garner, but she's uh-huh, probably yeah. in her 80s, and she's been writing books forever, and she's like the queen of Melbourne literature. And I've always loved her books, and she writes um, nonfiction, sort of like court case. She does. She goes into court and like covers trials really well. But she's also written these diaries. Now she's published her diaries and they're, they're written around the time I was born. And they're just like really good. And there's, in, there's so, this sort of thing you can just read a couple of sentences. There's no like big narrative throughout. And it makes me want to write a diary. I want to keep a diary, um, which I don't do. I really should. Yeah, I uh, don't either. I think, you know, you, it
0: could be so like precious to somebody one day. And like, yeah, I think it's it's also good for yourself to kind of, get all your thoughts and and feelings down onto a page I mean obviously you do that through your writing I guess um but yeah I think a diary is just such a a great
2: thing to keep to like Mm. look back on you know yeah and just to write about like little gossipy things that happened yeah (laughs) I'm
0: making it sound like really wanky and you're just like no it's just
2: (laughs) (laughs) well most of my diary When I reread them, they're like the best bits are not the are not the sort of big thoughts that are occurring to me. They're just sort of like little trivial thoughts that I had that I didn't think were that interesting at the time. And then reading back, I'm like, I'm funny, (laughs) or like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, yeah, or like just really dramatic things you write when you're hungover that you (laughs) don't want to feel 24 hours later.
1: I'm never gonna drink again.
2: I love how dramatic I feel after a
0: heavy night. I uh, <laughs> yeah, I just lie on the sofa like like this. To be honest, that is yeah. what I look like. Yeah.
1: <laughs> this is um, why I don't drink. <laughs>
0: And that is a good plan. Okay, that's a good thing to end on. <laughs> um, Pip, thank you so much for coming onto a pair of bookends. It has been an absolute pleasure talking to you. So, thank you so much. Where can our listeners find you? Are you on social media?
2: Yeah, I have Instagram. So, Pip Fink is my Instagram. And that's about it. I don't have any any of the other ones. Amazing! And for our listeners, Sad Girl Marvel is out
0: now and available to buy. I believe in Australia, New Zealand, UK, and the US. Is that correct?
2: Uh, yeah, it's not out in the US yet. It will be coming out in the US, but okay, it's already out in the UK. and pre <laughs> Yeah,
0: yeah, they can pre-order. Our US listeners can pre-order. So that's very <laughs> exciting. That you know we're not uh gatekeeping this wonderful novel to many of our listeners at all um you're all getting access to it amazing um i'm gonna link uh, pop a link in the show notes so you can all go purchase yourselves a copy which we highly recommend although maybe take the day off work the following day because you will be up all night reading it <laughs> so true <laughs> and um listeners if you enjoyed this episode as always please don't forget to rate review and subscribe so we can reach more of you and if you'd like to give us a follow you can do so at a pair of bookends pod on instagram and at a pair of bookends on twitter and tiktok and thank you so much once again Pip. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.
1: Bye. Bye.